Good morning, Church Online. Thank you so much for taking the time out to tune in with us today. If this is the very first time that you've ever checked us out, I personally want to say thank you, and I want to know who you are. If you could text the word Father's House, all one word, to 94000, one of our online hosts would be happy to connect with you to figure out how we can get you plugged in here at the Father's House. Now, I have some super exciting news for you. Our Greece and Chai Lai campuses have both reopened for in-person services. We're following all of the CDC guidelines with social distancing, sanitizing, standing six feet apart from each other, all of those things to ensure that the worship experience that you have here in person is a safe and effective and great one. Now, if you have kids today that are checking out service with you or youth, you're going to go to tfhny.tv forward slash kids or youth, and there are specially curated services that are just for them, so that way they can receive the word as well. Now, today I have some pretty amazing pastoral friends that I've invited along to share some different things with you throughout our broadcast for today. And first up is Pastor Carrie. Hey church, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard us say that relationships are transformed in the context of community, and that's because they are. Uh, you know, lives are shaped and formed around tables and as of late, Zoom screens. And we know that this is a super weird season and connection and meaningful relationships can be a challenge, but we're so excited as a church. You know, in Hebrews 10, it talks about not giving up meeting together, discovering creative ways to encourage one another on and remain connected. So we are very pumped to be able to offer online groups. A lot of you have been meeting online and we have groups that are starting to meet in person. Uh, total safe, safety, uh, COVID guidelines here at the church and out into the community. And we'd love to invite you. And I'd also love to challenge you, if you've been around for a little bit and you have room in your schedule uh, to host an online group, we would love to equip you. There are so many people right now uh, needing community. And as a church, uh, we know that this is how we get to bridge one another together and of course, uh, to God. So if you're interested in either, either joining or leading, you can text TFH groups, all one word, to 313131, you'll receive a form and we'll be in touch with you soon. At this time, we're going to continue uh, by worshiping through our giving with Pastor Luke. Church, Pastor Luke here. I get to serve over at the Greece location. And uh, recently, I feel like God's been reminding me uh, that where my heart is, my money follows. I mean, think about it like this. If, if you were to pull up your bank transactions right now, and you were to categorize them and see all the money that goes to coffee or all the money that goes to the gym or all the money that goes to movies or all the money that goes to those, those in-app purchases that are just so strategically placed, uh, then you would get an indication of where your heart is. And this is a biblical principle that wherever our hearts lean, our money follows. See, uh, that's what God knows about us. And that's one of the reasons why God says, bring me the money that is due to me because your heart should be with me and therefore your dollar should follow. And, and God's been reminding me of this throughout this season and more time at home and we're Instacart and stuff and Amazon stuff all the time. And I'm looking at my banking records and I'm realizing where my family's heart is at. And I know that I need a discipline so that my money goes where my heart truly is. My heart wants to be with God and his agenda. My heart is 
to support the local church that is doing so many incredible things. The Father's house, our church, is doing incredible things in the kingdom of God. And I want my money to follow what my heart has declared. So for me and my family, um, we use this great app called Pushpay, and I want to show you a video of it in just a second. It's a really convenient way uh, that you can set up recurring giving. It's secure, it's simple, um, and as often as you earn, you can choose to give, that your heart would go and our finance would follow to support the ministry of the local church, our church, the Father's house. So I want you to check out this video. I'm going to come right back and we're going to pray as we give. All right, church, let's pray together. God, thank you that where our heart is, our money follows. God, we want to be with your mission and your agenda um, as your gospel goes throughout the earth. So thank you that as we give today online, it contributes to your mission in the church. In Jesus' name, amen. As you all stand up, we're going to continue in our worship. And for those of you in the room, I just want to remind you that as we've gone hands-free, there are tithing boxes on the outside. And remember, it's not about the amount that you're giving. It's about the act of giving something. So let's continue to worship.
the skulls will be exposed as idols that we've made. For you alone will be exalted in that day. You'll be seen as rightful king, and from our hearts we'll sing. Father, we're so thankful that we can gather together around the table where there is always a place for us because you do not weigh us because of our works because of the level of our obedience but we are image bearers we carry the breath of God in our lungs and we pray today merciful God that you will give us ears to hear hearts of understanding that wherever we find ourselves you said you would come to us in the wilderness and speak to us gently there thank you for every single person hearing my voice thank you that your word is a word that brings alignment truth and reminds us of your undying love for us we love you oh God in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. You may take your seats. We want to welcome again everyone that is joining us. Uh, we, those who are joining us uh, in this room and joining us outside, um, watching on the big screen and joining us in our venue, the chapel. Uh, the chapel is there for those who are going through medical treatment that is, have got compromise and low immunity and our Greece campus, our extension sites and all you beautiful people that are joining us online. And I pray that you would stay with us a little longer today because the temptation is easily there to go Facebook and a little bit of Instagram and tour around and uh, busy yourself. But I pray that all other voices will be silenced because... Uh, I believe that God is something beautiful He wants to share with us today. How are you guys doing sitting in this room? You are welcome to take your mask off at your own discretion right now. You know, this morning, uh, we live in Rochester, New York. For those who are joining us online from outside of the state, um, there is something interesting about Rochester, New York. I love the city that we live in. But it's strange. I think it's one of those mysteries that I'm going to ask God one day. Um, the date for spring comes and the date for summer comes, but spring and summer never comes. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. But the moment the date for fall arrive, um, you walk out on the first day of fall. And as you walk out, the first leaf is coming down. And, and this morning, very early, I, I went out to go pray and pray for you and pray for me. Because I want to remind you again, we're in a very interesting season. We're in a season of disruption. Um, and every time I have conversation with people and they pretend everything is fine and everything is normal, I get so um, agitated. Um, and the reason why I get agitated is because we cannot live in denial that there is a disruption that is brought and carries with that as a disorientation. And as I was sitting out there this morning, um, I was 
so um, uh, moved with uh, less excitement than summer and spring to why there are so many leaves in my driveway. You, you, you probably know the same, right? I go like, what has happened? So quickly it has come, and, and I'm watching the leaves um, as the, was daybreak just keep falling. And, and in that moment as I'm sitting there, um, and I've been sitting on the same place, same time every morning, wrestling and talking with God about the season, because I don't know if you're experiencing part of what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing a lot of uncertainty, a lot of disorientation. To be honest with you, um, I experience um, anxiety, fear. Um, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about the present. Every time I think um, another layer of disruption has happened, I open the news and there is another layer of disruption. And I don't think it's going to go away because we're in an election year and so much more is happening around us. But as I'm watching the leaves fall, I realize that fall, and for some of you who are not in America, you call it autumn. The autumn leaves is a reminder of a promise, but it's introducing to us the death of what was, and the leaves that are dying is making room for the promise that will be. And as I'm watching these leaves, I realize that God is whispering to my heart, even though um, for me, God has been silent in this season. And I've gone past the point of guilt, wondering what have I done wrong. And I realize that if God speaks all the time, I don't wrestle with me uh, because I've heard the voice of God whisper to my heart. And just so you know, I've never heard the audible voice of God. And if you have, please don't tell anybody because we're not going to believe you anyway. Um, but it's just silent. And as I'm looking at, at these leaves, I began to connect this that maybe the season that we are in is a fall season where there are certain things that God wants to address in me and in you and recalibrate our hearts and says, hey, Pierre, can I remove some of the things that has morphed and infiltrated your heart over time to make room for a new thing I want to do in you and do in the church and do in society as a whole? Because you see, he says in the book of Ezekiel, don't spend all of your time longing for what has been. He says this, for behold, I'm doing a new thing. He says, there's new fresh living water that will flow out of unexpected places. So as I'm sitting there, my prayer began to ask God, because I know what I'm preaching on and what I'm preaching on today deeply, deeply challenged my heart. So as I'm preaching this message and I understand the weightedness of where I stand because uh, most of you today got ready for church and um, your time is precious. And those who are joining us online, you can be listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick right now. He's a much better preacher. Don't go check him out. But he, he is. He, he just is. He's a phenom. He's just incredible. And so many other preachers, great preachers. Uh, but I realize in that moment Maybe where God has us as the Father's house in this 
disruptive season is that God wants to pick from our hearts the things that are in the way for the new to come. That instead of worrying, we should realize part of our worry is He has removed with His kindness our every confidence. That the certainty that we have of the future does not exist. And maybe that is not a bad thing when God wants to do a new thing. Because we will always repeat the patterns of what we think has worked before. And what if what God wants to do in the future looks different than what we've experienced in the past? And the only way to get to the promise is to be at peace in the wilderness and ask the question, God, what is it that you want to tell us? So today I'm going to be sharing with you what I believe God is speaking to us as a church. I want you to know the, the scripture that I just quoted. God came to them in the wilderness and he spoke to them with a gentle voice. I've asked God for a temperate spirit that you would not misunderstand the passion with what I speak as a rebuke or as a reprimand, but that you would hear it as a yearning voice from heaven bringing realignment to where realignment is needed and uh, a removing of the old where the old no longer serves us for the future because I want you to know that I believe we've not been abandoned we are not forgotten that we are not standing in the judgment of God and that God's thoughts over us are good thoughts and the future is bright so I have asked Courtney, her real name is Adriana, I call her Courtney. Um, Courtney, and she's going to read to us, I counted, I think it's 18 verses, not 14. Um, here's the temptation, that you fall asleep. Thou shalt not fall asleep in the house of God in the first five minutes. Twelve minutes, I understand. Twenty minutes, you're my hero. Thirty minutes, dang you're good. Because I know you've had a tough week already. And that this is grace that we are sitting in this place. You may ask, why am I going to the book of Deuteronomy? I'm going to tell you why. Because there is a parallel connection that I think we have with Israel that for 430 years lived in a world that was deeply tainted by an ideology and a religion that they didn't believe in. But that religion subtly began to reshape what they believed about God. Uh, they didn't say, we're going to change our minds. It just subtly influenced like the frog that is sitting in lukewarm water and it's heated over time and he's not realizing this is no longer a jacuzzi, I'm being fried. And I think when things subtly change us around us, that we begin to adopt the mindsets of the culture we are in. And inevitably, God disrupted what they knew after 430 years and he says I have a promise and they thought they're going to go from disruption to promise but God says in order for me to get the culture out of you that you don't even see I've got to lead you first into the wilderness and I will speak with a gentle voice there because there's certain things that I've got to reteach certain things that I've got to confront in a gentle way because it will not serve you in the promise where I'm taking you. So I would love for you to hear the word of God this morning. 
and hold these concepts and see where the Holy Spirit is going to use these words for the fall season in our lives to be not one that we view as punishment, but what we view as preparation for the new things that God wants to do. So let's listen to Scripture this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied." Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers by driving out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. That is the word of God for us. Thanks, Courtney. 22 years ago, my wife and I came with our babies from South Africa. I've always heard about basketball. Um, we don't play that where I come from. And um, we don't play baseball. We don't play American football. We play rugby and soccer. And um, uh, we were invited to speak at one of uh, the people I admire the most, Pastor Herbert Cooper, um, to speak in his church in Oklahoma City. My wife will remember 
there is a hotel they call the Skoven Hotel. They've got the best bread pudding in the whole wide world. Every time I'm invited to speak, I said, I will absolutely come. Only if my wife comes with and we can go to the Skoven for bread pudding. Um, and I remember going to uh, Oklahoma and that evening uh, I walked into the elevator um, because my wife turns into a camel at night and she always sends me to go get water for her. And um, I remember um, when I climbed into the elevator, um, I climbed into an eleva elevator filled with the tallest men I've ever seen in my entire life and they were all dressed in purple. And um, I was immediately intimidated. And if I'm intimidated, I get talkative. I go like, hi. Um, wow, you're all wearing purple. Um, I would love to see your mama and daddy. Because you guys are really tall, or I am very short. I didn't realize I climbed into the elevator with the Lakers. Um, uh, they were playing... Uh, the Oklahoma Thunder, they didn't answer me. They didn't say nothing. They looked down at me, probably thought, what idiot are we in? Now, I can tell you something. I know something about the Lakers. I know they're good. I know Kobe Bryant. I know LeBron James. I know, I think that's all I know <laughs> about them. The reason why I'm telling you the story is because I can know about something and someone, but truly not know them. And here is the thing that God is constructing and confronting in a loving way with Israel as they are delivered from Egypt and 430 years they become accustomed to many gods. And God in the desert through Moses realize I have to reintroduce myself to my people because they know of me and they know about me, but they no longer know me. Because you see, Egypt and all the countries around the people of Israel was accustomed to many gods. Israel had, um, Egypt had 10 major gods and the countries and the, and the nations around them had many gods. And here is God and he's looking at his people and he say, over time something uh, through osmosis has filtered into your heart. And now you may hold the view that there are many gods. You see in the same way, I think there is a parallel to our lives. That we too live in a world that has... Uh, build itself around the fact that everybody has the right to create for themselves a God that works for them. In other words, whatever works for you, I don't have the right to tell you that your God is not a real God. Um, and I don't have the right to say that there is mm, just one God. Because ultimately, I think what makes the world that we live in so tough is that Christianity no longer uh, predicates itself on us believing Scripture. Uh, right now, for us, in this moment, many of you are listening to me, and, and I know that you have an inside voice that are speaking, and I want to say that one of the first things that I would just want to plant a stake that is a hard stake to plant, 
that Christianity sits within the pages of Scripture because the Bible says Jesus is the Word and Jesus is the Christ of Christianity. And I can understand that there is a struggle and I can understand that you've got many questions around how Scripture has been used for the atrocities in the world around us. But you see, unless we understand that God himself has revealed himself throughout all the ages within the pages of this, then I have got to say that we have got to understand. I have to understand that the very first thing that God says to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. There is only one God. And I am sure when they heard that, it was hard for them to fathom that. Because for 430 years, they saw other gods. And let me remind you, we don't have the same struggle as then. The other gods, through the magicians of the day, had power to do miraculous things. It was not abstract things. They actually saw the powers of these, these gods that the Egyptians worshipped. But here is one thing that I want you to know as God says, I am one, what he is saying to us as a church and as a community of believers in Jesus and in God. He's reminding us that you don't construct me, I constructed you. And the other thing that I think he would say to us is that there are not many of me depending on you. There is one of me that you need to depend on. I am who I am. I am as real as the four leaves that are, that are falling out there. I'm as real as the heartbeat in your chest. I'm as real as the air you breathe. I'm as real as gravity. Even if you don't believe in me, it doesn't change the fact that I am a real God. I am that I am. And if you want to know me, you cannot construct me, you've got to discover me because I have already revealed who I am in, in the pages of Scripture. You go like, but Pastor P, that is so narrow. And I know you can ask the questions, but what about that? And what about that? And what about that? And I want to say to you as your pastor that I cannot answer all the arguments, what about that? But I know this, the longer I sit around these arguments, the more it shifts me away from whether God is real, the Bible is real, and whether there is one true God. And, and I have come to the conclusion that life is going to come at everybody fast and hard. And when life comes, I want to be rooted in Scripture, I want to be rooted in the God that says, I am one, because I know that the God that can rescue you is not the God you've created. The God that can rescue you is the God that is. Now, I used an analogy last week. I, I know Rachel, Rachel Welsh. And if I say to Rachel, hey, Rachel, I, I'm writing a book about you. She says, that is so flattering. What are you putting in the book? I'm saying, hey, I am writing that you've always wanted to be an astronaut. You are absolutely brilliant in, in rocket science, uh, science and, 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 and in 
quadrant physics and and uh, you are very abrasive as a human. You have no people skills and you like to tap dance when nobody is watching. And Rachel says, I'm none of that. I've never thought about a rocket. I'm terrible at math. I'm actually a sweet person with a gentle heart. I have never even seen tap shoes in my entire life. I go like, I don't care. I think that's who you are. At which point is Rachel going to say to me, you need to go see a doctor because there is a reality here. Who I am is not who you are making me up to be. I am who I am. And if you want to know me, you've got to spend time with me and discover me. You cannot create me from a distance. You say, but that is so narrow. But this morning I was sitting and the leaves are falling and I asked Siri this question. Hey, Siri, how many human beings on the planet right now? And Siri answered, 7.8 billion people alive on this planet. And in that moment, do you know that I believe that I am so unique and so do you, that I believe there's not one single person, out of 7.8 billion, there's not one single person with my thumbprint, there's not one single person with your iris, there's not one single person with your personality construct, with your life experience, with your filters, with who you are. You say, I am unique. Out of 7.8 billion people, I am unique, but we say, God, you can't be unique in one. I'm telling you that God is uniquely God and he's reminding Israel that I am who I am. That is why there is a realness of God and we cannot make him up. We cannot sit with our friends and butt-wisers and go like, so who do you think God is? And they go like, I think he's only love. That's great. I think he's only love too. And what about judgment? Oh, a God of God, love will not judge. Oh, I think that too. And we all come in agreement to what we think God is. Can I tell you, that's the invented God that is not who he is, who he says he is. And here is the truth. I heard the statement that is so powerful. The God that my heart and your heart needs is not the God we invented, is the God that we discover through the pages of Scripture. He is the God who He says it is. Listen, and, and if you are the person right now that is hearing the hand clap and you go like, I don't agree. I'm so happy you don't agree. Because I believe with all of my heart that we as followers of Jesus agree before we wrestle it down. I think we need to stand back and begin to wrestle down our faith. Because if you wrestle it down, you come to a place of conviction. You come to a place of decision. You come to a place of, listen, if this is not true, I'm going to stand somewhere one day and say, this is what I believed. I didn't believe my, body, my buddy Jack that has never read this, but he is just very slick with his arguments. He, was, uh, he majored in public debate. I can go like, God... I know you are somewhere in these scriptures. And as I'm sitting there this morning, I'm like, God, could it be that you are asking me to come to the decision again, Pierre? Do you believe I am who I say I am? And you believe in the one God, even though there are many contending arguments. 
the second thing that God said to Israel. You come out of many gods, but I am one. And then he said the second thing in verse, uh, in verse chapter, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Let's read this together, shall we? If you see the scripture behind me, all campuses, extensions, sites, just shout yes. Come on, let's read it together. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Uh, uh, in the voice, it says it this way. You should love, love him, your true God, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with every ounce of your strength. In other words, what God is saying, it's very possible to know me and not love me. Very possible. Now, whenever we think love, we think feelings, butterflies. I want you to know to this day, I've known my wife probably now 37 years, baby, 37 years. And every single time I hear her voice in public, it's like the voice of an angel. I still get butterflies. I swear as anything I do. But when she calls me at home, I don't get butterflies because I know she wants something from me. But when she's in public, I hear her voice. It's the voice of an angel. I have feelings. When I look in her eyes, I have feelings. I, 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 I get goosebumps when I smell her neck. Oh, it's coming home. I have feelings of belonging. But you see, um, it is love is more than just feelings. Because I have sat with couples where uh, the, the one would say to the other, I, the verbal abuse, I cannot stand it anymore. The way you treat me is not good. The way, the way you ignore me, the way you, you shun me, the, the way that you are just um, so, so impatient with me, the way, the way you treat me, the way you just expect certain things. Um, uh, and then the, the, the other spouse says, I don't know what's wrong with you. You know I love you, and that remains standing. I'm telling you, I don't love you anymore. Can you see the disconnect between saying you love someone and not doing loving things? Can you see the disconnect between saying, I love, uh, I believe in the one God? And you say, God says, do you love me? You go like, yeah. And God says, it's with your mouth, not with your actions. Because you see, there is the story in the Bible, in the book of John. And Najee, you've got to play because this is going to preach much better with playing. I so love Najee. Jesus came to Peter. He's sitting among the 12. Now, when a question is asked of you in a crowd, uh, you, your answers can be evasive. When you're one of 12 and Jesus looks you in the eyes and he says, Simon, Peter, do you love me? You'll be a fool to say no. He says, of course I love you. Then you find these words. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In other words, he says, then this is the action. He asked him for a second time, Simon, do you love me? Now, when Jesus asks a second time, I think you think different. He says, yes, I love you. Jesus said for the second time, then here's the action. Take care of my lands for a third time. He asked him, Simon, do you really love me? Now, when somebody knows your heart, it's hard to lie, right? And Peter says, you know everything. You know everything about me. 
You know that I love you. Jesus didn't say, I know. I can feel you, bro. We like this. No, he says, no. Then feed my lambs. The way that you prove, Simon, that you love me is that there is a co corresponding action that follows your love. Can I tell you, there is a scripture in the book of Revelations where God speaks to the church in the end times. Now I know many of us don't believe in the end times and we've heard Jesus is coming and we can't even fathom that. That sounds like the twilight zone. I, I'm one of them. Every time somebody says, preach on Revelation, I go like, uh-uh, oh, oh, I'm not preaching on that. It's scary stuff, man, because it talks about things and Jesus is coming and stuff. And, and, and I pray that before Jesus comes, we become a great people doing great things for God. And, uh, but, but he says this to this one church. He says, I, I have seen you. You are diligent in your work and you oppose evil and you are testing truth and you do all these wonderful things. He says, but... There's one thing I have against you. You have lost your first love. In other words, you are doing all these things out of obligation. Can I translate that to you? Hey, follower of Jesus, you read scripture because you have to. You pray because you have to. You attend church because it's the right thing to do. Or you're scared of hell and you want to go to heaven. Um, you do the best you can. You know me as God but you no longer love me in that way where it changes the way you do things. Because you see, John chapter 14, 15 says this in the message. If you love me, show it. Come on, just, say, just shout, show it. Uh, uh, in the chat room, just write these words, show it, show it. Come on, just shout it again, show it. Come on, all the campuses extend, extended side. It's like, it's like Jerry Maguire, right? Show me the money. Show me the money. I think we say, God, we love you. And he says, show me in your action. Show me. Don't just say it. Do you love your wife? Yeah, I love my wife. Let's ask your love. Is there action that shows that love? Because you see, you may say to me, but that sounds like terrible and I agree if a couple had to come to me and when I get married and by the way I've married many people and it's such a privilege and and I get to welcome babies into this world and this past week on Thursday night I I got to see somebody off um, and bury them and stand with a family sacred moments and in that moment, if a couple comes to me and they say, we want to get married, and the, and the dude, let's call him, uh, give him a name, give him a name, give him a name. Chris says, Chris says, okay, um, since you are here, I just want you to mediate the rules. Um, her name's Elaine. And he, I said, Chris, what do you mean? He says, Elaine, in front of God and the pastor, tell me all the rules. And Elaine says, um, you cannot have other friends. You can never be late for dinner. Um, you cannot have your own Facebook account. You cannot uh, uh, get six-pack because then you're going to look hot for other women. Um, you always clean the kitchen. And I am the boss, and we're going to have three kids. And Chris goes like, dang it. Okay. Would you marry them? If you marry them, you're a fool. Because nobody can stay married under obligation. 
You see, I love another translation that says, it is the love for God that propels us to obey His commandments. You see, here is the thing I want you to know. If you think rules, you are missing love. Because when I look at my wife, I don't think, what are the rules of marriage? My desire is to please my wife. You see, when I go golfing and, and I have guys that says, hey, do you want to go for beer? Don't email me and say you drink beer. I didn't say that. I said, they say, do you want to go for a beer? And so they say, do you want to go for a beer? And, and then I think about my wife at home and then I go like, um, you're for ugly faces right now for another half an hour or I go home to an angel. Um, guys, have one on me. I'm going home, you know why? Because the object of my affection is leading me somewhere else, not because she made a rule that there's no 19th hole. I am just drawn to what I love. And I think God wants to remind us that if we have fallen out of love with the one God, we think about serving Him, it's all about rules. And can I tell you, parents, that's why they say we are losing our kids to faith because parents use scripture to control their children. The Bible says you can't do this. The Bible says you can't go Halloween. The Bible says you can't eat that candy. That's a sacrifice to idols. The Bible says you've got to obey me. The Bible says take out the trash. Not in so many words, but if you want to die young, then you get lazy. The Bible says, the Bible says, and what, what does the kids think? What a terrible God we serve. But have they ever seen you love God in a way that transfixed their imagination? That there is a love in you that has infiltrated your heart. So the question is, how do you know if you love God? Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, and you can follow along. He says, the things I'm commanding you today, part of who you are, repeat them to your children. Hey, parents, when last have you sat with your kids and told them how much you love Jesus? How long, when last did you tell them about the goodness of God, that once I was lost, but now I'm found, that the blessing of what you see around you is not my job, it's the goodness and the kindnesses of God over our lives. He says, talk about them when you're sitting together in your home and when you are walking together down the road. Make them the last thing you talk about before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about the next morning. Listen, do whatever it takes to remember them. Then he says this, tie them around your hand, which means let your work reflect your love for God. And tie them on your forehead. Whatever you think, let it be filled with your love for God. That's why David says, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. When I think about other people, let it be loving. What I do, let it be loving. And then he says this, such Oh, oh, on your forehead where you see it all the time, such as on the doorposts where you cross the threshold and on the city gate. You see, God is asking for congruent love. What is a congruent love? It's a love when you say you love, others can see it in your action. Others can see it in your worship. Others can see it in your embrace. For me, there is nothing more sadder than to be stuck with somebody you've been married long to but love has left the building. Now you treat each other like roommates that you cannot stand. 
Whenever we go to Europe, the one that thing we always fascinating. Maldives always know I take pictures of old people in love from behind them. Whenever I see an old couple waddling, you know, there comes a time when you look like penguins. They just waddling, holding hands. This one cafe we visited every day, the same old man and the same old woman, they ancient were sitting there. But the kindness and the love I was taking pictures under my arm, but I was taking pictures. I'm so scared they see I'm taking pictures. Why? There is nothing more beautiful as love that doesn't die between two human beings. There is nothing as attractive as holding hands when your hands are so wrinkled. But this is the person that you want to be forever because love has only grown richer and has not grown tired. There's nothing like a people who love the one God. When they love Him, tears are still coming down their eyes because they remember His grace. They remember His goodness. They remember what He has done for them. And their relationship with God is not transactional. Listen, even if He doesn't do another thing, He has given us His Son. He has given us salvation. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there is something in that has got to cause our hearts to burst with thankfulness. But in this scripture that we read, it's called the Shema to this day. It's the most important prayer for Jewish people. To this day, they pray this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. It is the Shema. It's the anchoring point to what they believe. But here is what I want you to know. I don't want you to miss these words. Hear, O Israel. Because in our Western culture, somehow we interpret God's word for us, but it's really God's word for me. Instead of hearing, hear, O Israel, I'm hearing, hear, O Peer. Forget them. You get it right. You know what God is saying? Not only does He want His sons and daughters to choose that He is one, and only you can make that choice. I cannot make it for you. I cannot wrestle you into it. I cannot argue into it. If you go on YouTube, you will find more compelling voices to tell you what I'm saying is not true. But you've got to choose. Am I going to listen to compelling voices and I don't know the fruit of their lives? Or am I going to choose Scripture? Only you can choose that. And if I choose Scripture, then I've got to decide and wrestle down that I'm going to go with Scripture. And if God is one, He says, Hero Israel, not only do I want people to have a love for the one God, I want a community of people that have a love for the one God. Now, let me tell you the implication. Because we go like, yeah, 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 I love that. I love that. We're a community that loves the one God. But what is the implication? Because the implication is not that we sing together. The implication is not that you're in church. The implication is not that you're watching online. You can go like, brownie points. Hope you have that roll call when I get to heaven. What is the implication? Well, he tells us 
Deuteronomy 10. And now Israel, now the Father's house, now the body of Christ, now, now Christ Chapel, now Baptist Church that's going to beat us to Wendy's, now everybody, what is the eternal, your God asking of you? Only that you fear Him. That means there's a deep reverence that He's not equal with you. He's the God of the heavens and His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. And you live as He wants you to live and love Him with every part of you. Then He says this, verse eight, uh, 18. Verse 17, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of hosts. He is a great God, the mighty and awesome God. Listen, shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners for you yourself were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You know what God is saying? That if my church loves me, it will affect their social conscience. There will not be a whiff of prejudice or racism among them. They will not look at outsiders and non-Americans and people, and they will become politicized and angry because I want to remind you, can I get on this camera and get as close to you as I can? I'm going to take this risk and tell you that before the elections, my prayer is that you will understand that we represent the love of heaven. That God says, everything you say, let it reflect the love and the agenda of heaven. The way you respond to people that disagree with you. Listen, I applaud you for whatever you believe, but don't say this is what God would vote. I believe if Jesus were to be here, he would actually uproot the rot under the surface of greed and idols and hunger of power and the games that people play and the, the alignment with evil things. Do not put your trust in a system or in man. We represent heaven first. We are peacemakers first. That's why in this season, can I tell you? God often reminds me, can you be okay to be misunderstood? Because every time you are with somebody, people say you align with their agenda. God is with us. Does he align with your agenda or is he just reaching out in love? You see, he was with prostitutes. Did he align with prostitution? He was with tax collectors. Was he aligning with them cheating people on taxes? Or did he have a greater assignment? You see, I believe what God is asking of us is that you can decide in private what you want to vote and what you believe, but there is a greater call on our lives is to hold the hands of angry people and we bring it closer to the love of God that whatever we say, you have a right to say it, but I beg you, let it reflect the love of God. Let it reflect the fragrance of heaven. L let it reflect that, that you and I understand that we were outsiders. 
that you and I would treat it with racism. Racism which means we are unworthy for what we want. God says, but I came to you without prejudice. I came to you without measuring you. I didn't say you South African, so you don't, you don't belong. I made room at my table, and can I say to you, Father South, let us not forget the place where we gather is the house of God. And in the house of God, it's the table of the Lord. Everybody is welcome, no matter their agenda, no matter their politics, no matter their gender identity, no matter their struggle, no matter their beliefs, no matter their wrestle, no matter where they are, even if they, you totally dis, disbelieve and you say, Pastor P, you are short and full of crap. There's room at the table for you. Because ultimately, I do not hold the full truth. I can just point and say, let's discover it. And let God defend himself. Because this is who he is. And here is my last point. You see, I believe all of us in this room has power. You say, I don't have power. Well, you do. You've got pets. I hope you've got power over your pets. You have influence. You have wealth. You say, I don't have wealth. Well, you had food this morning compared to other places in the world. You have power. You, you, you are wearing shoes. Uh, you drove in a car, probably. You have gifts. You have a bank account. You have a job. You know people. Who knows people? Who knows people? You can ask favors of people you know. And the way that our world wields power, if I can call it that, is for self-promotion and for self-enrichment. Have you ever been in a conversation where somebody names drop so much, you go like, how short are you really that you've got to use all these names to make yourself worth anything? Like, I, like I care. Like, you know, LeBron and I were just hanging out and I go like, oh, get a life. I don't even know who he is. Is he wearing purple? I don't care. Who you know does not matter to me because once you understand you are the handiwork of God, no person can give you value. It's God that gives you value. That, that, that is why, listen to me, church, listen to me. That's why even the most smelliest, non-loving human being out on the curb, strung out on drugs, is more valuable than all the riches in this world. Their smell, their state, their addictions, their deplorable nature doesn't change their value. Their culture doesn't change their value. Their color doesn't change their value. Their culture doesn't change their value. Because only people who remember where God brought us from will understand why it's so offensive to think that you are better than anyone else. Because we were lost until He found us. Unworthy until he came to us. And I believe in God's kingdom. He says, you know, Pierre, you know what love means in my kingdom? When you use your influence, your connections, your finance, your food, you find the foreigners and the outsiders, the lonely, the forgotten. 
You find the widow, you find the hungry. That is why giving on Sundays, if you still say, well, the church just wants my money. Can I tell you something? It's not about your money, it's about your love. Because if you love, your hands are open. You say, God, wherever you are busy, I want to be part of it. I say this in love. A closed fist is a sign of distrust. I believe in you, God, but you're incompetent to take care of me in the future. So it's my job to take care of myself. And you don't understand that God is calling you to partner with Him. You can never outgive God. But He says this, do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> so this, mo this morning, I was sitting there in my robe. My wife always, when I walks out the room, say, do you have anything under that robe? There's wind outside. <laughs> she always says that. She's so funny. <laughs> oh, God, I never wear anything under that robe. It's freedom. <laughs> well, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. If you are watching me with my robe, you're a pervert anyway, is what I think. I was sitting out there this morning. See, the leaves are falling. I've been sitting there every morning since COVID started. My fear is not subsiding. My anxiety is not subsiding. My uncertainty is not subsiding. God is silent. So I watch the leaves fall. I'm contemplating. And I'm thinking, God, I'm preaching this message this weekend. Do I have a transactional relationship with you? A relationship where my praise is always filled with, God, I need you to. God, will you? God, your word says, if you, then I will. God, would you? God, come on. God, you say you're never late. God says you are watchful over your word. God says you will hasten to perform your promises. God this, God that, God this, God that, God this, God that, God this, God that, God this, God that. And I'm sitting there this morning and I go like, God, when last did I just sit there and say, I want to love you more? My heart has become professional about you. Will I read scripture as much as if I, if I never preach again? Am I sitting out here because of what I need? Oh God, am I sitting out here because I love you? Because this is the time where I look at the face of the one who came and found the unworthy and says, I will rescue you. So I went to Spotify because I have a very short attention span. And I'm like, let me pick a song. And as I went to Spotify, the song began to play. It says, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you.
Then the chorus, chorus came. Said, I'm sorry. What I've gone through the motions. I'm sorry. Come and help me, guys. Will I just sing another song? Take me back to where it started. I open up my heart to you. Come on, Darren, just sing it again. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. When I've gone through the motions, I'm sorry. When I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Just sing the verse again. I'm caught up. Caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught Holy moment, I never want to leave. And I'm not here for blessings, no, no. Jesus, you don't call me anything more than. guys have that umbrella somewhere close? I'm asking again, first service, they had to rush for an umbrella. I can't help but get this picture again in my, in my heart. And Pastor Luke, then I'm going to pass it to you guys in Greece. This is the weirdest umbrella. Have you ever seen anything so confusing in your entire life? You see, church, I believe one of the biggest lies that the enemy is selling us is that we have a future with or without God. Because we see future as the rest of our lives here on earth. And as I stood at an open casket on Thursday night, it was not the end of the future for, for Fran Fadna. It was just the end of his earthly existence. He was stepping into the forever of his future. And can I remind you, if you think that there is a future for you without God, it's the fog of deception. But here is where we sit. I know what church is like. I grew up in it my whole life. You already taste that I think he's gone longer than he should, number one. Secondly, we're almost done, honey. Then put on your mask. COVID is done and let's get out of here and get food. But there is a moment here where the Holy Spirit wants to tap us on the shoulders. And this is the picture that I saw, weird umbrella, right? Is that God wants to let the dew of, your, of His Spirit fall upon your heart and soften the hard places. Because you see, the hardest thing for us, we cannot make our love, our hearts love God. You can't go like, okay, you got me. I love Him now. It's not how it works. Only God can soften your heart to love Him. But when you sit with an umbrella, 
It can rain and rain and rain. And can I tell you the picture that I see? You're sitting in a desert, in a wilderness. And instead of turning the umbrella around and say, I'm catching all the rain that I can, because without the living water, I'm not going to get through this wilderness. God, I'm not going to shut you out. Maybe like me, you can just be honest with your heart. Maybe just put your hands in front of you like this. Even if you're wrestling, even if you disagree with me. Pastor Luke, I'm going to pray. And you guys can continue the service there for the rest. We're just going to stay in this moment. I'm going to ask them to sing the song one more time. And as they do, can you talk to God like I'm doing in the mornings? And say, God, are there some leaves that need to fall? Is there a love for you that needs to be restored? Is there blind spots in my life where I no longer consider you one that I've bought into the agenda of a culture that has drifted? Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit in this place. Right now at every gathering point, I ask Holy Spirit, stop at every heart in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask in this room, online, outside this building in the chapel, just be present and talk to God while they sing the song. Caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy Take me back. 
pray with me, say, Lord Jesus, remove all the unnecessary things that is taking up space for first love. I'm sorry for this transactional relationship I have with you, that I've come to love so many other things. Soften my heart. Create in me a clean heart, a heart that will serve and love the one true God. God, that I will not will my way to love, but your love will find my will. Thank you for hearing this prayer. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Now this morning, I'm going to stand right here in the front with a prayer team because I just got a feeling that some of you need someone to pray with you. Any of our prayer team praying to the same God. Carrie is going to come and close the service for us. Remember to invite family and friends back into this moment next week as we continue with this journey. May God bless, bless, bless you. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to continue in one more song of worship, but I want to remind you um, that we have our prayer team available on both sides of the auditorium and we would love to see you not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday for First Wednesday. We're gonna have a pre-party out front, 6.30 to seven, and we will have service right here in this room at 7 p.m. Have a great rest of your day. And nothing else, nothing else will do.
Thank you for being with us, church. Have a great rest of your day.